final episode of season four of never ending adventure my name is diggity diggity dj Neddy p and i am russell tindall welcome everybody this is awesome we're talking about the lich season four episode 26 like ned said this is the last one of the season and it's a it's a good canonical world builder episode yeah it's it's probably the best indicator that the show is going to be getting crazy like moving forward yeah Yeah, it's a great sign for the future of adventure time because i easily could see how okay we've done the like silly goofy adventures for so long now let's move on to something bigger and this does feel like we're getting into something bigger I, i feel like my takeaway though as i was thinking about how i felt about this and how long i've wanted to get into the canonical what's the lich doing like the snail's been the lich for so long and we see it a little bit in one episode in this season with the bear giving the ledge to the Enchiridion, which obviously comes into play in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I was I was just so curious, like, w- what's really going to happen? And as I watched this episode, I was thinking back to the last episode, I Remember You and how much I enjoyed that. And I guess you don't really need to have insane amount of plot to make a really... I mean, this is obviously a stupid revelation, but like... Uh, you don't need a crazy amount of plot to make a really good episode. This yeah. episode is not necessarily insanely amazing as far as like what happens as the episode by itself but i do think it does play i mean it plays such a huge yeah. part in what's about well, to happen so you it's, honestly it's well because we'll, we'll we'll pick up on season five and it literally picks up with like them being sucked into the portal and then episode two of season five follows that so we have to really think about like this this starts kind of a what would be like a 30 to 35 minute episode of adventure time like all i'm so curious so yeah, I, kinda, I mean, I we think watched. We, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say we watched the next episode just in case we were gonna do a double today for recording, right? And I so have, have a little have bit so of many questions, dog. <laughs> I got so many questions. I know. I know. Well, oh, I, I wanted gosh. to open up like again, like I want to hear all your thoughts on it because this is your first kind of introduction to multiverse in of Adventure course. Time as a true canon like event. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're also a huge Rick and Morty fan. I attribute you to being for to I me think, being I think a big I Rick was. and Morty fan. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I keep up with it much, and I haven't seen the new seasons by any means. But those first two seasons rocked me, like no. they did many people, you know. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean I like Rick and Morty plenty, and there's other multiverse stuff. I mean, there's a really great episode of Community where they're spinning the dice, and every time the dice lands on a different number they kind of have a different scenario that plays out. And then at the end, I can't remember what happened. It's a great episode. Go watch it. Um, but it is, it's kind of a crazy and they introduced some evil characters in that episode as well. Uh, but that's just Dan Harmon, you know, doing the storyboard where he's like going all the way through the hero's journey on every episode. So like in this episode, I think it probably lacks in the case that it doesn't have a real, like, you can't just watch this episode alone and and really feel like oh my gosh I feel so satisfied like yeah you need yeah. to to watch more or you need to know the context of everything I mean there's you know it's okay and it's only sixteen minutes I mean how long do they really have or how much time do they really have to to fill in all of that space they they don't there's just not a lot of space or eleven minutes you know so no it's it's a great episode dude I'm I'm really excited to talk about this one and it's almost so many things happened. And so much was said in this episode that I, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little unsure. Like, but where like we're unsure of like what where next? Oh, like where, where it's going to... Oh, you mean just with our podcast? Where, like yeah, where we're going like to go? No, no, Okay, well, show, I have a good... I just... Uh, Google, you know, we're wrapping up the season. And we'll obviously, we'll, more than likely, we'll do like a season four review and rehash and top tens and across the board here. But here is like the cheesiest thing uh, I could find on the, the interwebs about season four. Season four of Adventure Time, Finn the Human and his loyal companion, Jake the Dog, continue their whimsical and adventurous journeys through the land of Ooh. This season introduces new challenges, characters, and mysteries for our heroes to unravel. Finn and Jake find themselves embarking on thrilling quests, encountering strange creatures, and delving deeper into magic and post-apocalyptic world they inhabit. With their unique abilities and unwavering friendship, they face both lighthearted 
and more intense situations and further explore the fantastical realms of Ooh while uncovering secrets about its history and inhabitants. So that's a good synopsis, very cheesy, yeah. but I think the uncovering secrets about its history is where we're going with adventure. We've had like little snippets of seeing, especially with like the last episode and I remember you realizing that like, okay, like we're, we're going to start getting into that darker side of like, this is a post-apocalyptic world and there's monsters and there's the lich and there's multiverses. So you just got the, the rest of like the core canon almost, maybe except for a few hierarching storylines, but you you got where they kind of are stapling their canon for the whole rest of the show. So oh I can see gosh. why you're probably overwhelmed with yeah. stacking these two episodes on top of each other. Well, also new concepts and multiverses obviously make a, everything a little more complicated than sometimes they need to be. And It'll be really fascinating to see how this plays out and see how they decide they go about the multiverse concept. I have a, an overarching theory. I mean, if I was going to have a theoretically speaking, I guess this is it. There are other theories I have throughout this episode. But I was just trying to think, I'm like, maybe Finn, I don't know, and I don't know how the multiverse is going to work in this world, but maybe Finn has to eventually recruit all of his uh, other Finns and the other multiverses to help defeat the lich that is trying to, like, he's threatening the entire multiverse. Maybe it's more than just the world, and that's why this is so much bigger than previously when the lich was out and he was trying to take over uh, the Candy Kingdom and the Land of Ooh, and Billy stopped him. Maybe this is more of like, oh, the whole multiverse is uh, at threat, you know? And so, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if Finn has the kind of, what is it, the Enter the Spider-Verse or... Or whatever, into the Spider Verse, where he has this yeah, team up with other Spideys. It's, it's a little, I think. Well, that's I, everything that's been popular in multiverse right now has been with Spider Man, with Rick and Morty, with Loki, with Avengers. Yeah. And so we're not going into that. I can just kind of get okay, rid cool. of that theory. Um, because yeah, that's, that's it, that would just make it so like, oh, Rick and Morty ripped off Adventure Time. Like, so gotcha. It's cool. They they do a really good introduction of it being a canon event and something that Finn and Jake like know about every day but that's actually i've got some notes that we'll go into deeper on the Enchiridion that i think okay. actually play into a lot more of a philosophical perspective of multiverse and kind of what finn and jake are are going for which is to just like live a happy life and protect the world they live in so we'll get into that kind of yeah. later in the episode for sure well, let's dive into the beginning of this episode man we get the title card which is obviously the lich's terrifying face and Finn and Jake are his pupils, which I thought was a really cool title card. I'm like, man. Yeah, dude, it's it's dark, it looks dark and messed up, too. Like, it's, yeah. it's a oh, freaky... Yeah. If I was a kid watching that show, like, that alone would kind of freak me out, you know? Well, the Lich's face always... The fact that his skin is coming off of his skeleton always... Yeah. It, you know, he's, I don't know. It creeps me out a little bit. Um, but you fade into what is a premonition dream or what is said to be a premonition dream... Because the cosmic owl shows up finally. Yeah. Like, where have you been, bud? But uh, I guess if he showed up every season, it would be like, uh, it wouldn't be as special, right? So he's in the TV, this this premonition dream, and it's Finn. And at first, I was so confused because he's hanging out with Billy. Billy's kissing his lady. There's puppies. The and that's not actually there. Billy's lady, by the way. <laughs> Is it not? Uh, maybe now I don't know. That's what Finn says, but we we do yeah. see Billy's ex girlfriend come in later okay. in the show too. Oh, she come. Okay, interesting. Yeah, just so just wait. for one episode. Is Billy not dead? What? No, but Billy's ex girlfriend. No, Billy's Billy's gone after okay. this episode. Okay, like it's, it's I was so confused. I think yeah, the the Lich pretty much got. I don't really think there's a Billy return after this. Okay, so the the Lich killed him. The the Bear's Revenge is what I'm calling it. I'm, okay, I think you know as we know from the theme song, Billy's theme song, you fought a bear. So I'm oh, thinking that's very true. I didn't even think about that. The I'm Billy thinking this is the bear. Bear's Revenge. We <laughs> needed a motive. We were wondering what the motive was of the Bear to get the Ankyridian. Maybe he was being controlled by the Lich, but maybe he was working with him, and he's like, hey, either I got beat up by the Lich or someone I know. Like It's the straight up... Like the, the, what do you mean by Billy? Um, yeah. yeah, the pod of orcas, right? That are, they're sinking the boats wherever yeah, in the ocean because one of them might have gotten you know, hit by a boat at some point. And so they're taking them down because they can communicate. Maybe that's what happened with these bears. These bears are like, hey, if you ever see the Lich, we got to work together with him against Billy because Billy took out one of our bears and we got to get our revenge. So little fun, goofy theory for y'all. 
um, that I thought I, I, was I like watching that. This. I think that yeah. that's that gives the um, gosh, I'm gonna just forget all the episode titles, but the episode with the bear. Um, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't I matter. can't remember. Uh, but regardless, that get like we we were even podcasting about that episode, kind of going. This is just really random. Like, why does he talk? Like, what's the deal? Why does yeah. he want to be like Finn? And kind of putting a a Billy like family revenge backstory behind it, it works like really it. well. But like he's it. in I a mean, premonition. Yes, and in Premonition Dream, it's a really cool. I mean, once you start to see the snail and the bear, and then the bears are like dark times are coming. Something was off, right? It mm-hmm. happens that Finn is sleeping and, and dreaming of this. But uh, I did think it was really interesting that the lady that Billy was kissing in this dream says, "You talk like justice, Billy, but you can't kick a plane." And I, do you have any theories about what that might be? Like why she I, said that? I tried to think about that. And I don't know if it's if it actually truly means something okay. or if it's kind of like that dream state of like yeah. everything's like half of it's making sense and half of it's not. So I just I kind of thought that that was more of like something in the dream that just introduces more chaos or whatever. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm thinking way too into this. My thought, if I had to find a meaning, because I was looking for one, right? And when you look for a meaning, you're going to find one, whether it's true or not. Uh, the meaning I found was no matter how big or righteous you are, it's impossible to change or influence that which is out of your reach or control. So mm. the plane is, you can see it, and Billy is so righteous, and he's this awesome hero, and he's so big because we see the scale of him compared to Finn in this episode. Uh, but even he couldn't kick a plane because the plane's several thousand feet above him, right? Or perhaps it's the future is going to happen no matter how hard you yeah. try. To stop it, it's still you can't. It's still going to happen. Yeah, so it's that was very much the Thanos. Thought. I am inevitable because you know yes. Billy was the first one to defeat the Lich. So the Lich coming back and kind of, kind of what I think is Finn's premonition dream is something that's already happened. The fact that the snail yeah, it's the past rolls into Billy's totally. cave, reads the Enchiridion, and it possesses Billy. So this is, I think, a, a, like a Finn premonition dream, but also finally the cosmic owl. Like, Finn wakes up from the dream. And goes, dude, it's that dang snail again. So I think Finn's been having weird lich like possession dreams already that the snail's like been influencing and kind of the cosmic owl showing up in this one is the cosmic owl's way of telling him, like, hey, the lich is in your head and like it's actually really happening. Like the cosmic yeah. owl is almost doing him a favor by showing him like showing up in the dream, you know? It's so crazy that Finn wakes up and describes Billy's face as something fierce. I, I don't know why, but that just felt there was a lot of weight behind that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really fascinating. And that's kind of where I was like, okay, maybe this is real. Maybe this really happened. Of course, you're thrown off because you see Billy in a moment here. But I I was like, okay, that's, that's just not a normal way to describe a, a bad dream, you know, and, and or a look on someone's face. And so I, I may be reading way into everything, but it <laughs> seemed interesting to me. And so I was curious. And also now we know that like Finn kind of indirectly killed his own hero, which kind of blows, yeah. dude. Indirectly kills his own hero is that a good sucks. way to put so when, it. Because but... he gave the Enchiridion to the bear. Ah, gosh. Gosh, oh, well, I've got, let's see, I've got uh, several excerpts from the Enchiridion that all play into this episode, I think is, and we'll get into, like I said, we'll get in. I don't want to start that because we'll start going rabbit holing, but okay. I'll pull it up. But, but remember that I mentioned it in this point as it pertains to uh, yeah. Finn and Billy's relationship too. Well, we're kind of going through I, this episode. I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, well, we, <laughs> you said it threw you off a little bit uh, yeah. that Finn said he's had face looked like something fierce. I was like, yeah. I threw me off more a little bit where Jake's like, I had a dream where I was in kindergarten, except for I had really big feet and I was also the teacher. <laughs> yeah. so it just is like, I love that. I don't know, like, that, that's that was Jake so moment. funny. It was a good Jake moment. Um, but there, there are several moments in this episode that kind of gave you hints, a little foreshadowing bits where you're just like, oh, what's going on with the Lich? Why is he acting so weird? Why does, or not the Lich, sorry, Billy. Hey, Billy. Why is, yeah. why is he slapping Finn? Get out of my pocket, you know, when Finn's trying to get candy out of his satchel or whatever. Yeah. Or well, when I mean, the very next scene, when they go to, it's 3 a.m. in the morning, they wake him up. Finn talks about the dream. He reveals it, you know, or whatever. And I like, Billy's like, like Billy, not that freaked out by it. Yeah, Billy, well, he is a little stunned when he says about the snail, when he talks about the snail, because that's obviously saying that, oh, like Finn's onto him and the Lich is trying to determine how onto him he is. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is 
Um, he asked for confirmation. So Billy asked for confirmation about the cosmic, cosmic owl, right? owl, meaning and the then, lich understands that if the cosmic owl shows up in a dream, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. So I think the lich, if the lich was biding time um, mm-hmm. at all, just kind of like hunkering down for a little while, the fact that Finn has a, a true cosmic owl premonition dream, the lich is like, okay, like I have to move or else yeah, it's time. You know, like it's time. Moves. Yeah. But it's interesting because. Then, as he's asking about the cosmic owl and all that stuff, Finn doesn't mention anything about the snail being the lich, or you know, there's no, uh, like, basically what he says. So Finn says, "Sorry, I'm all over the place this morning." Um, the snail killed you, or something. And Billy sends Finn on a mission to save all life from the lich. There's this kind of assumption that Billy makes, or kind of a mistake that the lich has, where he says. He jumps to the conclusion that, oh, the snail is the lich, or the lich killed Billy, or not Billy. Oh, well, yeah, killed Billy in the dream, right? That, in my mind, that caused me to be like, wait, why would he Why would he jump and just say that we got to save the world from the lich? At no point in that dream was the lich mentioned. It was only the snail that was ever mentioned. Yeah, and, and Finn, it just, Finn uh, doesn't know anything about the no, snail being No, he's so starstruck. The he, the, Finn is so starstruck, he doesn't even think about it. He's like, this is the greatest moment of my life. I get to go adventure with Billy and I can't believe this is happening. And and he doesn't think anything about it. You see him really caught up in it too when they're riding on Jake's back and Billy's hair's flowing and Finn poses. You know, that's that's kind of a thing. It's like Finn's like shredding something that makes him truly himself to be just like Billy. And I would say an overarching theme of this episode is kind of, if it wasn't already like the first Billy episode where he was like a little bit disappointing to Finn, but this is truly like the death of your hero. Like, oh gosh, you know, yeah. a lot of trust issues got to have got to come like out of this as well. Um, and yeah. the trust issues, in my opinion, with Princess Bubblegum, she immediately, you think so? yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't necessarily the, the cutting up of the little people, which get my lovely of the episode anyway. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, they're great. It's the fact that she immediately, immediately is like, "Don't do that. It's the lich." And I was like, dude, how does she know? Like, she knows immediately. So she has to have some prior knowledge of something with her gem and the lich wants her gems. Like, she has to have a prior knowledge that she hasn't shared with Finn if she immediately jumps to that conclusion. You know what I mean? So you... That kind of threw me off. I don't know. You took that a different way than I did. I didn't take that as like, she's making assumptions or nothing. I'm on Princess Bubblegum's side in this entire moment i think it's really cool if not kind of odd as you're saying that she recognizes it's the lich immediately i I think there's something that ben's not seeing because it's his hero or maybe because she's been around for a thousand years or whatever it is well and i I would assume that the lich in the past maybe had gone and tried to steal a bunch of jewels in the past yeah the jewels maybe that's a that's a sign like why would anyone be doing this like there's a lot of things that are triggering her where she's just like okay, Finn just crashed through my roof and he's like on top of me and trying to steal my jewel without saying anything. And this is not the way Finn acts. And my mm-hmm. thought is maybe Finn was slightly being, like very, very subtly being influenced by the Lich. Because he doesn't have a gem on, right? Which we saw previously in Mortal Recoil that you have to wear one of the power gems in order to not be influenced by the Lich's uh Right, so it could have been like a subtle influencing and for so, sure. So yeah. Princess Bubblegum's like, wait, whoa, what's happening? You know, and kind of thrown off by that. And, you know, obviously someone crashing through your roof and trying to steal something from you. I think you're right to be a little concerned about it. And she accidentally cuts him. But I don't think that was like an intentional thing. She even apologizes right afterwards, yeah. right? Um, but... What I did think was really, really fascinating, other than the fact that she recognized it and the Gumball Guardian also recognized immediately. That's the other thing. It wasn't just her. It was also the Gumball Guardian. I, but he didn't do anything until alert. the princess screamed it out. That's why I, I affiliated the princess It seemed like he was too Lich. far away. I felt like he was Maybe. behind the kingdom, came out of nowhere, pointed, said the Lich is there, and then freaking shot an energy beam out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah you haven't seen I haven't the, seen that. You have not I mean, seen the true power of the Gumball Guardians yet. They're, uh, dude, they're he, like super OP, by the way. He's my lovely. Yeah, the Gumball Guardian is my <laughs> lovely of this episode. Um, I mean, That's I was so one. afraid of Gumball Machines as a kid because of that ability that they have to do, you know, where <laughs> they can just shoot <laughs> energy beams out of their mouths. Your uh, as all Gumball Machines can. Yeah, right. So, um, no, I, I mean... 
uh, dude, it's a really good scene. And I wanted to talk a little bit about sound design, actually, of the scene. It's my tops. And it was brought to, to my attention. Allie was listening through the other in the other room. And she was like, hey, do you know what a death knell is? And Ned, have you ever heard of a death knell? A death no? Knell. K-N-E-L-L. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Okay, so the death knell is the tolling of a bell to mark someone's death. Uh, it can also be used to refer to the imminent destruction or failure of something. Okay. So in this episode, after, where, what's the? Did Ali give you the origins of where that came from? Is that like uh, a, we didn't look like, at the origins? I don't. It I sounds don't like know. something like they would do at a church during yeah, like I'm a sure. funeral or something. I'm sure, but I didn't look into it. So regardless, as we're listening to the scene, man, the sound design is just like so haunting, right? You got all of those harmonies happening going on. And then what's really cool is you hear some subtle bells and we're thinking, oh, maybe those are like the warning that Finn's actions against Princess Bubblegum may be not the best thing. Like, or, you know, he's about to cause the destruction of Ooh indirectly or doesn't realize that he's about to do that, right? After he steals the crown from her and he's about to steal the jewel from the crown, there is a very, very loud and very notable bell that tolls, you know, within the the music scape that is happening. But it's way louder than all the other bells previously, and it's very, very obvious. I mean, it's a loud, thick bell that tolls. And so, mm-hmm. my thought is that's like, hey, we've reached the moment. The death knell is told, like you are in an imminent like moment of destruction of the land of Ooh potentially, and that. Like, oh, dude, that's just so cool. When you, she, she pointed that out, I had to re listen to it. Do you want to know Amazing. what I just Googled? That probably is the sure. best, best, uh, like, oh my gosh, this is, this can't be perfectly lined up here that you even brought this up. I was okay, like, yeah, I, I want to know the origin of this. And I, you know, I was correct. It was a third bell, uh, in tradition. This is the thought of origin, old English tradition that the passing bell was sounded to alert a clergyman that a person was dying so they could be brought to their bedside. But it mm-hmm. was known as the thir- is a third bell known as none other than the Lich Bell. The Lich Bell. I'm, I'm not even lying. No, L Y C H, not L I C H. But that's yeah. kind of that's kind of a uh, a little freaky, isn't it? I know for sure two warning bells that told, but I can't remember if there's more in the sound design happening in that scene prior to the really loud one, but go back if like after this, Ned, you know, and listeners like go back and check that scene out. It is so cool thinking of that moment where the, the bell tolls. It's awesome. So that's really cool. That was a good, good that was a good tops and lovelies rolled into like very rarely does our tops and lovelies roll into one. I think that's a cool, cool I mean, shoot, the sound design was almost my lovelies for this just because the whole episode just felt so epic because yeah. of well, and you sound have design. All of the great, like you do have Lou Ferrigno back in it and then you do have, um, yeah. I forget the voice actor for the Lich, but the, you know, they're, they're pulling everybody in on this episode. Yeah. The Lich is interesting. Sometimes he sounds so convincing. Like when he was like, hey, like Finn, you know, I can promise you eternal life. Like just work with me. I was like, man, he's got that that kind of tone that is kind of comforting in a way that you hear bad guys do sometimes when they're like, no, come on, what are you doing? Like, we could yeah. be buddies. It's it's almost uh, yeah. like freaky because it's calming at the same yeah. time, you know? It and is. I think and that, that's definitely in, done on purpose. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. That that scene at the end there was pretty good too. Just, I, I again, I really thought it's just something's going on that Finn's not seeing, that we're not seeing that allows Princess Bubblegum and the Guardian to point out that as the Lich. And it's crazy that, you know, he breaks the book over his knee after all the, the jewels have been inserted into it. And it's got to be... Except for LSP's jewel. Except for LSP. Well, I've got a theory about that if you want me to I, go into I've that. I've got another theory. Well, there's, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. one theory I've read online. It's pretty... Like simple that she's just not the ruler of lumpy space. So oh no, really? Matter. That's great. Um, another one just goes back into like again multiverse. Uh, lumpy space is pretty That's what I was like referred to as like not in this universe. So it's a fact yeah, it's that a different it's dimension. Not a power gym from this universe. Yeah, I mean, I think we've learned about in this episode. We learned about the different links, and we'll talk about it after the break a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the permanent link uh, with. Earth in another dimension, perhaps, is what allows 
like lumpy space and earth to be accessed through different portals. And I believe that hers doesn't go in either because like, it's not a real gym. Like it's just a giant gym she found and she stuffed it in her head and it's really gross. <laughs> or that's actually a good theory, but yeah. Or, or maybe it, it is uh, uh, a gym of power, but it's one for another world. And so it's kind of like Dragon that's Ball principles, right? Yeah. Or like with Dragon Ball in order to make a wish, by summoning the giant dragon, you have to collect all the dragon balls, but they have to be the dragon balls from the earth you're on or the the world that you're on. They can't be from another world. Uh, like you can't just substitute a number two yeah. from another planet. So that was kind of my theory about it. I, um, I think that that's the correct one that they were going for because they yeah. do get it again, get into a lot more of uh, lumpy space and how it pertains to like the land of ooh and, and, the uh, lumpiness in general. <laughs> so mm. I think that that's kind of alluding to, again, there's something just very core different about LSP than other yeah. princesses too. Dude, I, I do have one question for you and maybe this will be our, our moment where we need to reflect a little bit for a commercial break. <laughs> what One of the princesses was like a fetus princess, right? Like what was going yeah. on there? I, we've seen her, what, come up like three times now? Two oh, or three she? times? I just don't remember. Yeah. Okay. There's, they I stole think there's the, been... the crown from her, and, or the jewel from her crown. And I'm like, how did that work out? I've been calling her <laughs> fetus princess. Um, okay. She's, I think, referred to on the fandom as embryo princess. But embryo princess. Yeah, I might don't, be more accurate, but I don't like I don't that. Know. No, I, don't I just, like that I just think it's crazy that they stole the gym from this princess, and I, I, the logistics there don't <laughs> the make sense in my mind. <laughs> are very X-rated. Let's just say that. Yeah, how did someone sleep through that? Anyways, uh, moving on. <laughs> yeah, maybe we, we need to, to maybe break. take a, a breather after your dirty, dirty mind gets into these. Uh, no these thoughts. way. Let's see on a minute. <laughs> Hello, my name is Russell Tyndall. You may know me as Allie's boyfriend, or maybe even from my one-time appearance as an extra on Cartoon Network's Cartoon Cartoon Fridays. As you may now know, the Lich is free, and likely enacting a plot to destroy all of life as we know it. In addition, the hero of our kingdom, Finn, fell through a portal to another dimension entirely. (sighs) This will likely bring up a lot of tough questions from your kids at the dinner table. What is going on? Who will take care of our family dog when we're gone? Do we have to be evil? I don't want to. And how are human babies? Uh, how are human babies made? Unfortunately, Princess Bubblegum is still working on that last one. As for the others, we likely won't know until season eight or nine. For now, please secure your butts, pray their glob, and keep your hopes up best you can. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We're talking about Adventure Time and the Lich and multiverses and the Enchiridion and Candy People and Princess Bubblegum. Talking yep. about a lot. Yeah, man. Uh, dude, you know, it's it's hard to not be a little bummed just knowing that we're all potentially going to die from the Lich, but we're hanging in there right now. Season hanging four, it's it's over. Season five, we'll see if uh, we have hope at the end. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Finn. Who knows what happened to Jake? But as, as a candy person, as... The real candy person, Russell Tyndall. We'll see. <laughs> start to Tyndall. Start to Tyndall. <laughs> I well, wish. Well, I have a good way. We've, we've got a lot to, to unpack about the multiverse and the Enchiridion and everything that happens in this episode. So I wanted to kind of go back in and look at IMDb's top 10 shows with multiverse theories to kind of see what oh, it you was. you were hoping and Adventure Time would be there. It is. It was number it three there. on the list. Oh, of right. the top 10. It, number three was Adventure Time. That's exciting. Which, uh, only ones above that were Doctor Who and Rick and Morty. So I was like, wow. absolutely. The whole premise of Doctor Who is multiverse and the whole premise of Rick and Morty is multiverse. So I was like, okay, like that, that, that works well. But the other ones on the list starting from Tim down to Adventure Time is uh, What If, the Marvel series, uh, the Flash TV series, uh, His Dark Materials, The Man in the High Castle, Castle, uh, Midnight Gospel, which I'm very glad made the list. Uh, Loki and Infinity Train, which Infinity Train looks really cool. Never really looked into it, and I kind of want to watch it now. Yeah, I believe we've had people mention Infinity Train to us uh, as mm-hmm. comments and as messages just saying, hey, y'all should check it out. I would be very curious to know, and we don't have to look into this. Maybe this is a conversation for another time. If there is like an original 
show or book or something that influenced the like idea of multiverses in fictional novels or fictional canon. Yeah. Just because I, I don't know about fictional canon, like what might have been know. the first one there. Yeah, I, I'm very curious only because I think and what I'm seeing with like social media and TikTok and all that stuff, the things that we discovered when we were 12 and we were like, holy crap, this is insane. No one knows about this sort of a thing. And then of course everybody knows about it. It's so repetitive. Like there's content constantly that's popping up on my for you page that I'm like, dude, like every what this isn't a new idea or a new concept. It's just a recycled content from the past. And it's it's interesting to see how cyclical all that stuff is. But I don't know. Yeah. Conversation for another time, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tried to do a quick look up here, and it does kind of look like honestly, Stan Lee and a lot of um kind of the early comic book stuff with well stanley with marvel and then dc comics flash 123 flash of two worlds introduces that kind of multiverse theory but mm. also another uh far raging fantasy multiverse is michael moorcock who actually named the concept in a 1963 science fiction novel the sundered worlds so it okay. probably is that sundered worlds fiction novel that introduced yeah. multiverse as an actual like coined expression you know and i'm i'm sure it stemmed from somewhere else like there was a philosopher or someone wrote it in mm -hmm. some book in the 1800s or something right I, I just i do think it's so fascinating fascinating how every generation discovers kind of the same things at the same time and like there will be another rick and morty where everyone's like holy crap the multiverse thing or maybe yeah. because of the way like media is so permanent now and the cultural zeitgeist that like rick and morty will forever be known as like that crazy big one that occurred and everybody will always reference Rick and Morty or whatever it is or enter the Spider-Verse from here on out whenever they're talking about multiverse. It'll be really yeah. fascinating to well, see how it's, that works It's not out. only that because I, I would say again Marvel with comic books and DC with comic books did huge you know multiverse clashes and huge epic oh, like yeah. novels and stuff but the fact that pop culture now is so widely spread and like culturally accepted as a very very common norm across like what do we what do we talk about at the dinner table oh like marvel multiverse theory yeah. um but i love it i love they give uh in this episode specifically they give booko a good little super super fast-paced rant uh he's oh definitely gosh. either the exact same character as keeper um from the enchiridion or the same which... race of people that are somehow yeah, all yeah i'm gonna say same race yeah, their race is is either it's either all Jess Keeper or the race. Uh, they said it looks actually similar to the Door Lord as well, who also kind of has that ability to like yeah a little bit transcend like space. And well, Door it, Lord aside, the Keeper people, maybe that's what we'll call them, the Keeper people or Booko people, are they're all my forever lovely. I mean, <laughs> unless something happens in the show eventually, I really loved Keeper, and I think this is a great. He's just a little nerd, dude. He's a nerd about the multiverse, and he gives us one heck of a lot of information that mm -hmm. I had to pause and, and kind of read through just because I was like, okay, what, what are you talking about, bud? I did the same thing just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And it actually, it's kind of, again, I think it's the fact that they're cementing this in the canon of like, this is how our version yeah. of the multiverse works. And this is what he says, if you don't mind me reading it. Oh, no, please. Are you going to start with uh, even before Prisma, where he talks about the very beginning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Go well, I, was, I have it as, at the center of the multiverse is a dimension called the Time Room, believed to be a quasi-corporeal dwelling place of the almighty Prismo. The Time Room is a single dimension that exists outside of time. The Time Room produces time waves that are experienced by other dimensions. Some dimensions have permanent links that allow travel to and from. Others become temporarily linked by naturally firming wormholes and others can become linked artificially by magic portals torn open by items of great power. An activated portal creates a time dilation in which either end of the portal experiences a temporal synchronization, allowing for the safe passage of particles through a non-local region of space-time. So just, uh, awesome. just the fact that we're even talking about this that's in a awesome. kid's show is freaking awesome. Like that That's yeah. a pretty not i'm sure not 100 scientifically accurate depiction of it but they basically are saying <laughs> oh, there yeah. is a point in this and in, in i've got so much good stuff around this too because okay. it's I, I i knew it was going to happen i was holding off from it happening but i had to kind of uh deep dive down reddit threads and threads all 
about this specific kind of multiverse theory. But in the sense, it's like, yeah, the, the time rooms at the center of the universe and everybody experiences time differently in different universes until they're linked. And when they mm-hmm. get linked, so when there is a portal, I guess, or wormhole that connects those two universes and they experience time the same. Um, but it's going interesting. In, I'm, I'm curious about that. Do what if they're permanently linked? So say hypothetically that uh, lumpy space and earth are permanently linked in different dimensions. You think they will always experience time at the same rate? I, I don't think it's always, I think it's as long as those portals are open. Okay. Um, like as long as that portal is connecting the universe, time is operating the same way. So that's, I think they mentioned that specifically so that Finn, when he goes to Lumpy Space, when he goes to the Nidosphere, when he goes to the Crystal Dimension, he comes back at the exact, with the exact same amount of time that he was gone. So if he's gone for 10 minutes, he comes back, it's been 10 minutes. It hasn't been zero minutes and it hasn't been 100 years. I think okay. that that's probably a really simple way to create a multiverse theory where yeah. you don't start getting really, really fucked up. Like, hey, I was gone for a hundred years and I come back and it's been Everyone's five minutes, you know? Well, my, so thought, I think they my, do that my reason for questioning that is the, the language is, is an activated portal creates a time dilation in which either end of the portal experience temporal synchronization of, of their time, right? And I was thinking that was when you're artificially creating a portal that occurs. And and not necessarily when it's like a, a permanent portal that's uh, linked between two places, or or maybe it is. Maybe you're totally right, and it is totally just. Hey, if they're linked, they're linked, and their time is passing at the same. I think that's probably the way they want it to be uh, perceived. Certainly, yeah. And it's well. I mean, yeah, okay. it's, it's pretty interesting. Like it's just with all the gems and or with other very powerful items, you can travel throughout the multiverse in any dimension safely. Is is what we really need to take from half of that is just that like, well, there's a way to get these places linked. And when you do it, you can get through there safely. And time is flowing in a way that doesn't mess you up by traveling through mm-hmm. the portal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I would say that's just for the, the age and the whole like getting like gravitational theory of time of it being like one second on this planet is a hundred years on a different planet, you know? Yeah. Um, but another thought I had, beyond that and kind of digging deeper too is again with like time operating in waves all these different universes are you know operating there there came up a lot of like the vibration theory um of like your temporal plane where like you know you're vibrating at a certain frequency and then thus you're able to interact with everything in your own universe that vibrates at that same frequency and that's like the quote-unquote god particle of Mm. our universe is what everything kind of vibrates at that and we can see it and interact with it, and that's our physical temporal plane, right? Oh, wow. So what I kind of read in on is with a lot of multiverse theory stuff is they kind of believe that, like, you know, if you can change your temporal frequency, um, that's what allows you to interact with things outside of your universe, aka, like, magic and portals and stuff like that. But essentially, I have a theory that... One, well, really, I think that with the mushroom war and the huge explosion and half the world being chunked off, that the earth and ooh, I should say, became really malleable to temporal changes and shifts, being like it can operate on lots of different frequencies um, and, and kind of, I guess, be pretty malleable, which means that it can be more easily connected with magic portals and um with powerful objects now and with again now there's a lot of magic crystals and different elements and things that are way outside of what would have been regular earth uh physical existence and that the Mm. mushroom war shook that up kind of changed the vibrational frequency of the earth turning it into ooh and thus, it can be way more influenced by different universes. So that's my super deep theory there. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a very cool theory that <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, along with a lot of our other theories, we can't scientifically prove that that's yeah. a concept that would work necessarily. <laughs> I can't, other I can't than prove that like, I know what I'm talking sounds dope. about. Either. Yeah, it just sounds dope. And it sounds like something that like, I, I definitely get it. I think that 
there's got to be some sort of an explanation if there's not one later in the show for all the magical items, for the magical creatures, for how all the creatures look and how they've adapted. We have no signs that that's how it was prior to the Mushroom War. Mm -hmm. Something must have changed. Perhaps it is the vibrational frequency of uh, the what were you saying, the temporal plane or whatever, yeah. right? And I'm probably, so, I may be pronouncing that wrong or doing the concept wrong, but no, you know, fine. but the gist no, of I, what I I'm saying. I love the idea. Yeah. The idea is really cool. And if anyone listening has uh, a more scientific way of putting that or a way of explaining it to uh, people like me and Ned who are trying to figure it out, <laughs> please, I mean, write in to the Travelers Log at nea.travelerslog at gmail.com. Yes. I need and all will, multiverse theories. Oh, dude, we will 100% bring it up on the podcast. That would be so yeah. cool. Uh, but the, that's that's so great, Ned. I think that is a really good theory yeah. and a, a really cool just concept in general. And I did want to mention, while we're talking about the plane and traveling through the, the portals that you can create and all that, there is a third moment while watching this episode that I thought something was off about Billy before we really knew what was going on with Billy. I see and, he wouldn't touch the crystals. Well, okay, there's a fourth moment then because, yes, <laughs> oh, that, that was gonna be it, yeah, dude. That is one of them that I wrote down. He doesn't want to touch the crystals, and I was like, Why? I've got Why a little bit of a resist? theory on, on that one, so go on to your third and then we'll yeah. move to the next one, yeah. Okay, well, mine was simply gonna say that, like, he says his whole plan, the way he explains it after they learned about the multiverses and the portals and all that, and it was said so quickly, I'm sure Finn wasn't like fully grasping the concepts yet. Um, Billy basically just says, I'm going to push the lich in there. And my thought is, why? What would that do? You're just going to cause that issue for someone else. We know, based off of what we just heard, that he can safely travel to somewhere else through those portals. It's not like it's dangerous for him unless you choose coordinates that are like in outer space that'll kill him or something like that. And we've seen creatures that can go through outer space. So who's to say that the lich can't? Because we've seen the lich die and turn into dust by Finn pulling, uh, using the sweater to you know, break his face or whatever. And the Lich is still around. So who's to say he can't exist in space? And I just thought it was such a like weird, uh, a weird solution for a problem that it didn't make sense. It didn't, yeah. like, why would the and hero It's, it's not even that space. It's that he's pushing him out of time and space into a different... Yeah. dimension it's, yeah it's well, nothing if you that go would into another dimension him. in outer space right is basically what i was saying because if you well, could choose the technically concepts, not outer space but that's that's getting into well it's, it it's outside be. of time and space it's not outer so it's not like floating dimensions out in oh. space no it's but not like the, it's not like universes it's or excuse me it's not like galaxies it's like truly different space times Gotcha. But I'm just saying, like, you because you can choose where you're going to create the portal to. Like, you could go to the time room. You could go to LSP's place or whatever. You yeah, could exactly. go to an Earth somewhere else, but outside of that Earth in outer space of that dimension. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you could literally just put them somewhere in the middle of nowhere in another dimension. But um, obviously, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a silly solution. It's and a flawed plan like, at the at the start of it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what's going on? So Billy was lots of moments where I was just like, this is an odd Billy and doesn't seem right. And so yeah. the reveal that it was the Lich, I was just like, gosh, okay, makes sense. That's yeah. crazy. And he's wearing his skin, which is, if that's really Billy's skin, dude, that's messed up. That's crazy messed up. Yeah, it's it's kind of like this. I think it's a little bit more of like a, he possessed him, but if he loses any bit of that like physical form, it goes back to his like normal okay. witch form, pretty much. But interesting. Well, I have so, like again, I, uh, my thing again that threw me off with Billy is that immediately, yeah. okay, why wasn't the lich going after the gems himself? Right? If that was well, all it took, why can't he, he just, touch them? He can't touch them. So I there was I was like that's a little confusing. So I had to look into it and remember what the Lich said in Mortal Folly, that in the beginning, there was nothing. And before there was nothing, there was monsters, right? And that was just that, very okay. confusing in Mortal Folly. Yeah. Um, but uh, kind of reading deeper, they were saying in the beginning, reality exists as a chaotic sea of monsters before anything was created. Beings such as the Orgolorg, uh, Kokontepi, and the Lich reside in the writhing mass an incomprehensible by incomprehensible chance the monsters eventually come to a common agreement of the state of reality 
and that this consciousness becomes the multiverse. According to an ancient tome in the Enchiridion, the multiverse is therefore actually not material. The multiverse is an emergent product of consciousness rather than consciousness being an imminent product of the multiverse. Every sentient being that lives in the multiverse paradoxically maintains its existence by experiencing it. And this also means that every sentient being has an existence beyond the material known as their soul. So that was, it's super deep in the realm of that. And so the kind of this concept is I think the Lich is one of the like, again, OG monsters of pre-existence that, you know, all the writhing sea of monsters has to agree that there is, this is our existence and that consciousness becomes sentience pretty much. I Mm. think that the Lich was part of that and like disagreed with it and was like, no, like, I don't want there to be a state of multi-consciousness. It just, and, and what you kind of realize now is, or in ne- the next season, that the Lich wants the end of all existence except for himself. Um, so to get rid of a, yeah. uh, I guess, uh, multi-conscious multiverse. Um, and, of and every dimensions then. So in every my, dimension. My thought yeah. that this is obviously bigger than just taking out Earth. It's everyone, everywhere and everyone. It's kind of right on. That's, dude, that's crazy. And and I, then that, I think, plays into him not being able to touch the gems. Maybe because the, somehow they have a power of being able to transfer yeah. around the multiverse. And that maybe something about his physical existence, like it would burn him up or it'd be, you know, the, the infinity stone uh, mentality that it would well, just like utterly destroy him or something. Like I was that. wondering if it was something kind of like uh, and the Lord of the Rings, right? You don't give Gandalf the ring because he's already very powerful and therefore the influence of the ring on Gandalf would be even more detrimental to the world because he's so insanely strong to begin with, right? And you see a hobbit that is insanely weak is able to turn invisible, which is a, a nuts power. Um, so who could only imagine how strong it would be if Gandalf had the ring? That was my thought. Maybe it was something like the ring. I, I but it's probably not. I don't know because I don't think the, the gems would control someone that was yeah. like as you're saying at the beginning of time. <laughs> like that seems far more powerful. That's a Tom Bombadil of of this world in that case. Yeah, it's it's that, and then there's some theories again with the real world in Kyridian that I think will kind of play into even that. Like again, like why would he not touch the gems? It's a lot of like. Uh, we we very touched on it, like I guess two years ago at this point, um, of Epictetus's Enchiridion. That's like a very short, like thirty-page, like book on kind of consciousness and being and the universe. And one of the big overarching themes is like the world will go about as it does, and you know you can only control your actions. You cannot control anybody else's, and then thus you become a very like stoic thinker. And so mm-hmm. probably the Lich's like lack of being able to physically influence or physically do anything has to go with like, I have to get other people to do things, thus it's their choice, not my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that the universe like will play out the way that it does. So it's almost like he can't do anything himself. He can only influence others to do that thing. And thus he's like controlling the universe by like not actually doing anything himself, kind okay. of. Yeah. I don't know. Not, that's another deep theory for Dude, me. I, I think it's a very cool conversation. I, I wish I, you know, knew more about Adventure Time or the beginning of Adventure Time to really play into it. But, uh, dude, that's it's crazy. This is a, a just a good episode of really getting so much deeper than we've ever gotten with this show. I mean, is it gonna? I guess this is the we have our ground floor, right? We have our base now. We know we're we're just gonna build on top of this with the multiverse. It's not like oh, there's going to be more revelations about how it works. It's just more like, okay, let's show you, based off of the rules that we've set in place, how this can play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's it's definitely that. I think it, that explains way more of, like, Adventure Time's, like, fantasticalness of, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a nidosphere, and there's a lumpy space, and there's a crystal dimension. Now, now that we ha- we actually have an explanation, it's not just random occurrences. Um, yeah. But what it they don't ever sense. dive into again, which other kind of multiverse shows go into, is that, 
you know, your decision to flip a coin and it lands on heads in one dimension and lands on tails in another and it splits off a time tree. Adventure Time does not really go about it that way, where hmm. every like decision made or not made creates a dilation of your universe. Yeah. Is that like your universe is very much naturally occurring as it is and that's just your universe itself. So we're, we're not getting in the free will or nothing like that. We're just straight no. up, hey, just take it as it is. This is what's happening and you have to accept it because this is reality sort of a thing. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And I, that's why I love the fact that they use the Enchiridion as the base of this kind of um, existence in in the land of it. Let's just you know focus on that universe is that the main take here, here we go. I'm going to go on a rant here for a second, but this is going to be really good just to like ground us in this kind of canonical thought process. Please do. Main takeaway from the Enchiridion is that the events outside of our control should not disturb us in the slightest. The first step is to stop seeing them as misfortunes. To do so, uh, use the Epictetus method and consider whether the misfortune is your own action or involves the result of actions of others of your nature. If it is not your own action, you do not control it. In every such case, you must firmly tell yourself that it does not matter. For this to change your thinking process, you must do it every time. So have reminders handy. Reception is key. A key lesson in the Enchiridion as a crucial part of researching Stoic-style enlightenment is limiting your desires and aversions. Wanting things to go a certain way will often lead to disappointment, which leads to being upset with the cause of the disappointment, which is nature. If you are disappointed with an outcome, you are not accepting the course of nature. To implement this in your life, don't expect and pin your hopes on specific outcomes. When reflecting on future possibilities, remember that you will be fine no matter what happens, as long as you do not allow your character to be corrupted. So, I, I mean, I just think that that's like such a really cool way, again, that we see Finn grow with his maturity in this way, with like, life comes at you like kind of really what jake has experienced like with um like with the the new frontier you know like the universe oh, is yeah. They're going training. about it and the more you fight the outcome the more you're going to be disappointed with it you know yeah and certainly i mean he it's like that self-fulfilling prophecy of he causes the dream to happen and his exactly doing of trying to stop it right so it's inevitable i mean it gosh it makes me so curious about the cosmic owl and the premonition dreams and how they play into this world and how they will continue to play in the future. Is it something that we just really need to, oh crap, someone had a premonition dream and like that is going to happen or that's going to occur. It already occurred. You <laughs> know, I, and well, can I give you keep a, going. can I give you a little spoiler? Yeah. Tell me about, is, is the owl what we believe him to be or is there like, it's just kind of, oh, it's a coincidence or something. Um, a little bit. There's a, a little bit of both of those is true. And and so my spoiler, and sorry for any fans, if plug your ears if you have like have not watched the show already, but <laughs> there's a full cosmic owl episode where he basically you kind of see him in his like cosmic universal apartment, and it's just like a one room apartment. <laughs> okay. Um and he's able to like basically take these little coins, put them in a coin slot, and his job is to like go into people's dreams. Um and so he goes like into this dream and he sees uh, another hot like bird that he's like attracted to. And he's got a really funny little personality. And he chases her across like six dreams and it really upsets Prismo because Prismo's like, dude, you're making all these dreams come true that you're we're not supposed to be in. Whoa, okay. Across the multiverse. And that like it's kind of messing up uh uh, you know the the time waves because the cosmic owl is like making things come to fruition when he wasn't supposed to. So wow, that's think about it in that that's way. Very that's very exciting. I can't that's wait how to get the cosmic there. owl will kind of play into all that. Yeah, I can't wait to get there. And also that kind of confirms that hey, no, these are like legit like premonition dreams with the cosmic owl showing up in them. What's the deal with Prisma then, man? Like, I maybe don't get Ooh. into it, but like, no, yeah, we'll we'll save that there? for next season, was man. He there at the beginning of time? Like, is he one of those beings that, like, one of those monsters that you were talking about? I'm, I'm well, so it's, curious. It's a, they say it's a quasi corporeal plane, right? Mm -hmm. The time room is the center of the multiverse where all time waves extend from, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So we do have a physical, like, 
we'll get into it and I don't want to get too deep into it, but essentially the fact that it's quasi-corporeal is outside of our understanding of us being like three-dimensional beings, that it has multi-states of existence. So perhaps I think he it, was before the monsters or before the... Exactly, yeah. exactly. So there is something about his Prismo, like pretty much the most powerful being in Adventure Time. And I think it's widely accepted that he is. Can I know, Do does the fandom like Prismo? Yes, a lot. A lot. Prismo's okay. like, he's going to be my lovely next week. <laughs> like, right. Absolutely. Good. He's like the coolest character in Adventure Time. I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure where we're going to go with this Prismo character. I mean, if it's, you know, I think of, again, I'm going to bring up Lord of the Rings because I'm still <laughs> taking my time getting through I'm, these No, I'm books. glad there's another tie-in for Lord of the Rings in this episode. So I'd love to oh, hear really? it. Yeah. I was just going to say, I just like Tom Bombadil, the way he's described. I know a lot of people don't like the Tom Bombadil stuff because it doesn't really play into the Lord of the Rings trilogy in any way. And it feels a little random and out of nowhere. And then, but that's, but yeah, it's, this, like, remind me too and catch me up that yeah. it's, it's the Silmarillion like story, right? Uh, I'm not entirely sure because I've never read the Silmarillion, but I just from reading the very first Lord of the Rings book, you have this character named Tom Bombadil who comes up and saves the hobbits that are stuck in a tree or whatever. And he's living in the old forest, I believe. And I'm, I apologize if I'm getting any of this wrong because I'm new to the series. But uh, he has kind of a place, like a, a place of dwelling that is outside of, um, what is it, Middle Earth. And he lives there with, I think, the the river spirit or something is his girlfriend or something like that. But essentially, like the ring doesn't affect him in any way. And the ring is supposed to be this all-powerful, all-influencing thing you know that was created by one of the i don't know exactly the three like yeah it's really deep when you yeah. start talking about on being from upper earth or whatever yeah. yeah well so tom bombadil is described as like he was he was before this and before that and then he's like older than old like even the elves they're like when we met him like he was old then at that point you know and I think he's described as being before the creation of so many different things or the creation of, of Middle Earth or whatever. And essentially, Finn, or not Finn, geez, um, Frodo, Frodo gives <laughs> Tom Bombadil the ring and he puts it on, nothing happens, and he's just like, seems totally uninterested in the ring. And and they talk about in the council meeting when they have the big council, and I maybe we shouldn't go into this rant because I don't know anything about Lord of the Rings, but he's basically like, they ask, can't we get Tom Bombadil. Can't Tom Bombadil help us and get off? Basically says, he's not concerned with us. Like, mm -hmm. we play such a small part in the greater scheme of the world or whatever. It matters so little to him. Maybe if you get every living creature in the world to beg him, he might do something about it. But the chances of doing that is impossible. So, yeah. it's it's very interesting. And so that's why I'm thinking maybe Prismo is like this Tom Bombadil yeah. He's a he's definitely yeah. a Tom Bombadil esque character, that's for okay. sure. But with a lot less, um, I guess, like uh, what would you call it, um, nihilism <laughs> from the sound okay. of it, maybe, um, or a lot less singing, <laughs> a lot less singing. Yeah, Tom um, Bombadil I, sings a lot. I'm glad that you brought it up though, because I think there's a cool reference to it, and I think again, kind of probably Pen Ward's like again, just love of Dungeons and Dragons and and all the lore stuff, I, 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 all all lore stuff across the board, is that when the Enchiridion's lock pops open, um, actually the Elven alphabet from Lord of the Rings is is inscribed on the inside of the lock, um, and it That's appears great. to be the beginning of the inscription of the One Ring. Um, cool. So I, that was cool. Again, like you tied it back yeah, to Lord of the cool. Rings with Tom Bombadil and then like an existing outside of a realm of time and space, and that's like yeah. uh, maybe that's a callback to what they're getting into here. Well, I got some other smaller questions, but I think we might talk about them after the podcast, just us two, because I don't think they're really going to be interesting for the viewers. But man, <laughs> this was great. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about with this episode before we start wrapping things up? Um, I have a couple of just like fun facts again. Um, okay, yeah. Not, not too many. Again, that was very like straightforward of an episode. Um, that when Billy chants the Latin phrase to... Um, open the multiverse map he says exhibo car carnatum, carnatum uh part of my latin which mm -hmm. literally means i show charts but it's probably meant to mean show the map 
Um, the scene where Princess Bubblegum's chopping off the limbs of the creatures was actually censored and cut out in the UK version of the show, which I thought Interesting. was very funny. And They're again, so unbothered. Kinda, they just don't even care. They're just like, I don't know. I thought that so, was yeah, kind of cute in a way. Again, one of the, like our whole playing God mentality. We've, we've d- talked about that way too much. I wasn't going to talk about it this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then after the portal closes, you know, we, we saw LSP's gym uh, didn't go into the Enchiridion. But when it pops, you know, when the portal closes and all the gems pop out, we do see LSP's gem. And I read that this is a strange theory that may have to do with the origin of Lumpy Space. That's all I read on that. We'll probably okay. do some more Lumpy Space diving deep into later. But hold that too, because again, kind of with different dimensional planes, I don't know if it's if that's a significant moment or not. But. I wonder if it could play into the fact that Billy was not quick to answer whether or not there were two or one gems left to collect. That, oh, that's true. Yeah. I don't. Anyways, if he was like, "Well, do we?" count LSB's gym or not? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> not sure. Maybe he's yeah. not sure. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, yeah, he was obviously telling them which gems to collect as well. Yeah. So maybe yeah, he regardless. didn't know. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, well I, do you have I any, love this uh, episode. Yeah, do you have any, any lessons from it? Lessons from it. I do have some lessons. Uh, first off, Finn is going to need a, a lot of help uh, to get over this lich thing, and uh, let's see. Now, well, that's just more of that theory that I was talking about. That's not really a lesson. Here's a, here's a lesson. Then I got a lesson for you. I apologize for that. Uh, great episode, but canonically, plot does not make an um an amazing episode necessarily. Like, there's more to it than just lots and lots and lots of plot. But I I did love it. I mm-hmm. did really enjoy the fact that we got to dive deep into this. I'm just saying that to say that I don't think this would be my top three yeah, episodes. Not, not a standalone season. episode, but no. yeah, plays uh, into... I think we said the same thing about the end of season three with I Flame Princess. Did. I think we did. Kind of being yeah. like, it's, it's, we're happy that it's happening. We're happy that we're expanding on this Finn relationship, but the standalone episode wasn't like anything yeah. significant. Uh, my other lesson is that Booko is a nerd, and uh, <laughs> I kind I dig Booko, man. He's cool, cool guy. I think maybe just their little race of creatures is just like nerd creatures that they're protect awesome. ancient yeah. artifacts. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Um, what, I only had one lesson from this one. Your your friends and trusted mentors shouldn't ask you to do sketchy stuff. <laughs> you need to like, uh, you need to start questioning if even if somebody trusts, it's just like, hey, man, like if you really want to get ahead in this world, like rob a bank. Like that's mm. not good advice. So don't do it. Mm-hmm. That was my only like lesson I had to pull okay. out of this one. Well, before we wrap up, Ned, I guess we should just mention the fact that they do show a little bit of a new dimension where Finn is Finn, but he looks mm-hmm. like Finn from the mirror reflection and King Worm. Yes, episode, and King Worm had a lot of episode the, eighteen. He King Worm because arm. he put them into a a dream state. Yeah. was almost pretty much kind of like another version of the premonition oh, dreams yeah. as well. So, yeah, we do cool. see it. It is called Farm World. We will get some okay. more into Farm World in the next couple of episodes. Cool. Um, and I think it's, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not even going to I'm yeah, not gonna start getting into my theories on it. Let's not, yeah. So I, I'm very interested to find out more about this robot armed Finn and his mom. He's got a mom in this. He's got a mom world. who's got a wedding ring on too. So, oh, okay. Um, well, cool. It's cool. It, it really brings more into a three-dimensional view of Finn as well. If we haven't been three-dimensional already, but a <laughs> more three-dimensional. Yeah. Well, cool. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I mean, gosh, four seasons with you guys. This is pretty awesome. Well over 100 episodes at this point. And it just seems kind of surreal that we're, in a way, like halfway through... A little show? less, a little, a little less. less. Uh, if, if you haven't spoiled it for yourself on Hulu yet, there's like 54 episodes in season oh, five. Cool. Many so more, we will be many spending the next year <laughs> on season five. Many more episodes to hang out uh, with you guys and talk about Adventure Time. Uh, well, thank you so much, man. I mean, uh, I think me and Ed both, you know, just love the fact that people listen to this podcast and enjoy our silly conversations about this show. And, you know, I hope we can continue to bring it and continue to do 
what I feel is some sort of a justice for the show. I mean, it deserves a, a good podcast, and I hope we can bring that. Um, check us out if you haven't on Instagram, Neverending Adventure Podcast, TikTok at Neverending Adventure Cast, Twitter at NEA underscore podcast, email us your thoughts, your opinions, get on the Travelers Log at nea.travelerslog at gmail.com. And yeah, also another announcement like we'll have that Patreon coming soon. It's not out yet, but it, it's coming. Just just be ready for it, you know, whenever we drop we, it. We are we are content creating right now, which hard means it's hard to content create double down. So it's yeah, coming no when we can uh, get a little bit of free mental space. Yeah. My rec for this episode or for this week is Sushi Party Go, which is a fun little board game that me and Allie play with a lot of our friends. Whenever you need like a really easy board game that is super quick to pick up, it's basically you making a sushi menu and it's just really adorable <laughs> and it's fun. Oh man, I don't have any recs for this week, man. I've been pretty much just playing Final Fantasy, which was my recommendation <laughs> like three, four weeks ago. So I, I've just been jamming on that one. So that's great. Not, not much else in maybe the office. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, y'all. We'll see y'all next week for, gosh, I guess it'll be maybe a review of season four. Yeah, I think we're going to do um, probably, yeah, not as long, maybe not as long, but we'll do a, a season four recap. Just good hanging out. Good yeah. times. That'll be good. All right. All right. Party forever. Looked guy. Thumb.